Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 508. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy that you are here to join us today. And I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, Derek Gallimore. Derek is the founder and CEO of Outsource Accelerator. And I'm hoping that this is not your first episode, but if it is, welcome. The pillars of positive productivity are system support and self-care and support, meaning that you need support in your business so that you can get the self-care that you deserve. So I'm so excited about this conversation with Derek today, but welcome, Derek. I'm so happy to have you here. Hi, Kim. Thanks so much for having me. That was a bit of a tongue twister earlier on, wasn't it? Oh, my gosh. There are days that I can't even get my name right when I'm introducing myself. <laughs> so the fact I that know, I only well. had one blooper in that. Wow. Derek, I would love for you to introduce yourself better than I did because you know your story better than anybody else. So how did you get to where you are today and the founding of Outsource Accelerator? Yeah, thanks, Kim. Thanks so much. I suppose I've had quite a long journey. I'm, I've been about 20 years in business, and the majority of that has been in my own entrepreneurial pursuits. To cut a long, long story short, one of my first sort of big ventures started when I was about 24. When I started, um, I bought my first property in central London after I was backpacking. I called the tail end of the property boom in London, and within about five, six years, I had um, developed and built and bought just over a dozen properties and had just then bought my biggest property, was which was about nine apartments in central London. And then the banking collapse happened. We all know the massive sort of fallout that that had, even in London and the US. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it caused a lot of pain, but I was fine. But basically, all of the banks shut down, so I had no financing. So I couldn't really continue and do that property development thing. So then in 2009, I maintained all those properties, but basically segued into serviced apartments. And we were basically a serviced apartment provider just before really Airbnb became the the huge thing that it became. So again, I caught a pretty good tailwind with that. We grew, I bootstrapped this company from about 2009 up to 2016-17 to about a 20 million US uh, revenue company, pretty much bootstrapped. And I built a team of about 80 people and we had about 220 apartments in central London then. It was in about 2011 when I realized that I needed 24-7 customer care in this service departments because people are staying overnight. They are booking in every time zone. And I realized that to get customer care 24-7 really wasn't at all viable if you're looking in the West. It was too expensive and people aren't prepared to work overnight anymore. So I was recommended by a business friend to look overseas and try the Philippines for outsourcing. So in 2011, I got my first outsourced employee. And within, let's say, about uh, five years, I had grown that to a team of about 70 people sitting in Manila. I closed that business because of another very long story. But um, then basically, I 
was so involved in outsourcing. I moved over to the Philippines in 2014 that I believe that outsourcing is probably the most powerful, the most potent, transformative business tool out there. And I wanted to basically educate and build the bridge for business owners and get them involved in outsourcing. Thank you so much for what you do. Because Pleasure. <laughs> I have gone from the burnt out and broken entrepreneur to still admittedly a little burnt out, but that's because I'm not properly delegating. <laughs> My team yeah, can tell you that. It's a tough balance. Yeah. I mean, what? there's so much on my plate that if I just took a little bit more time, because I'm already doing it a lot, but there's always more. If I just took a little bit more time to say, hey, I need you to do this. Oh my God, it would free up time. But my problem is, Derek, and I'm sure that you've seen some clients have this as well. I'll delegate stuff and then I'll bring even more in. So it's like a cycle. I would yeah, have to well, imagine that that's what happened still... with your seven or with your team of 70. You were able to take on more, so you took on more and then you had to take on more people. So it just becomes, it's a cycle is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. And they say work will fill whatever space you allow it, don't they? You know, if you, oh, if, yeah. And I think entrepreneurs, we're, we're all the same. And if we do get a spare day, the next thing we're doing is planning the next business or the, or the next project. You know, it's, uh, it's um, yeah, it's a little bit addictive, isn't it? Oh, a little bit more than a little. Yeah, I, I have what I've started calling chronic idea disorder, or I started calling it that about three years ago. And if whenever I give my brain downtime, I have about 30,000 new ideas. I was up way too late last night. Full disclosure, listeners, I'm not trying to not sleep, let me just tell you, but I'm traveling for the next week, and there's stuff that needs to get done before I go. But I'm laying in bed past two o'clock this morning trying to go to sleep, and just idea after idea after idea just started pounding me. Mm. It's yeah, it's hard. It's a hard balance, isn't it? Like I, creativity is absolutely fantastic. But what I find with a to-do list or an ideas list is that you can easily put ten ideas on there a day, and each idea could take, you know, a, sort of an hour a day, a month, or a year to implement. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it's about the execution, isn't it? So I think we're always trying to find that balance. I've finally gotten good at just offloading my ideas into teamwork into a notebook. And just letting them sit there until I come back around. Mm. Yeah, I've done that in Evernote as well. <laughs> so you're in Manila now. Do you have employees within your company that you outsource to businesses worldwide? Or what is the structure of your business now? Yeah, absolutely. We, we have a team here and uh, my operations manager, he's been with me for probably five years now. So I have a great little team. It is just a small team, but effectively, you know, it's proudly run by Filipinos pretty much. And we're helping promote Philippines outsourcing to the world. So, yeah, I mean, just as a bit of a kind of, uh, I suppose, um, positioning of the company structure, we there's a lot of outsourcing, a lot of BPOs. We aren't that. We are basically building the trip advisor of outsourcing. So what we're trying to do is provide information about outsourcing and provide a lot of, you know, we can compare different BPOs. And basically, I'm trying to bring sort of light and transparency and information into outsourcing, which is otherwise a pretty kind of gray and murky industry full of unknowns. Oh, yeah, it is. 
Derek, I'm so embarrassed to ask, can you explain BPO? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I, I'm using the kind of lingo. BPO is business process outsourcing. Okay. And this is a bit of a legacy abbreviation for the outsourcing industry. Kind of 25 years ago, it started. And they call it business process outsourcing because the big boys of business would basically cut out a process within their business and they would outsource it. And so that's why it's business process outsourcing. And commonly the suppliers are called BPOs or BPO suppliers. Thank you so much. I'm sure that if I didn't know what it meant that there were listeners too. So thank you. I feel there's my golden nugget for the day and I'm sure there will be more. You and I were chatting a little bit before and I was sharing that I have a a group on on Facebook, Virtual Assistant Jobs. And sometimes conversations can get a little bit heated in the group, especially between Americans and Philippines. And I have to say the Philippines or the Filipinos are not the disrespectful ones. Sorry, Americans, but we, because I am one, can be rude. But often what the heated discussions are about is that Americans tend to want anywhere between 25 to 50 dollars an hour for virtual assistant services and Filipinos charge much less and Americans will argue that they're not confident and that they're doing the virtual assistant industry a disservice but in my opinion that's not the case at all and I would love for you to share a little bit of insight on how it can benefit business owners to go overseas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't, I don't want to wade into the politics of it, but outsourcing has a fantastic opportunity for everyone involved. And we have actually, because it is a, a very emotive topic, we actually wrote a white paper on why outsourcing is a win-win for everyone involved. And I can actually give you those um, that link and put it oh, in the show notes. That. But yeah, it's, look, it's a very emotive subject. Employment is radically changing and it's changing fast, you know, and I think everyone's well aware of that. I think the only thing that we are certain about is that inevitably things progress, nothing stays the same. And I think that this, it's naturally flowing to a more one world, one network kind of place. The network effect, once all countries are online, once all of our 7 billion people population are productive, then everyone is going to be far better off uh, for this. What we're going through now, as we have throughout all of history, is we're going through some kind of uh, growing pains and change as jobs change, as the economies change. But I think that it is inevitable, but also there's huge opportunity for everyone involved with outsourcing. You know, certainly no American company has lost out from outsourcing either physical manufacturing or services. The US still has record high employment levels and, you know, the quality of life of the average American is improving, you know, decade after decade. Now, of course, people get sort of left out. Of course, people see changes, but, you know, inevitably it is happening and it's a huge opportunity for companies, for the employees, for the communities and the U.S. and every Western state to have access to more affordable, abundant, well-qualified resources such as outsourcing to the Philippines. Absolutely. Now, I do not have any full-time employees, 
within my team, and my team is now eight. I have four Americans and three Filipinos right now. And I have to share with listeners who are wondering, if it weren't for the team on the other side of the world, my company wouldn't be where it is today because they are constantly creating awesome for the company. I mean, we call ourselves Team Awesome. My Mm. podcast editor or actually editing team now, Lang and her husband Brent, they're in the Philippines. My graphic designer's in the Philippines. I have a, a VA over there. And if I was staying with all Americans, it would have just broken the bank. But I have to tell you, three years ago, I made a mistake when it came to building my team. Number one mistake was I wasn't confident enough in the services that we were offering. So I was charging too little. I had to grow my team because I got so much work. I didn't know how to say no yet, Derek. That's a big problem. Mm-hmm. And the team that I brought on was, I mean, and to handle the work that we had, it was all in Fusionsoft. They were charging just about as much as I was charging to the client. So while you would think that I was breaking even, if that's what's happening, I was actually going under because I was doing mm-hmm. all the marketing and the sales calls and the client calls and everything, I grew my team way too fast. And since then, I've learned hire slow, fire fast. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I have been through the full roller coaster of business, and business is scary. Business is hard. And, you know, you as a boss, you're up against hard decisions. You're up against, you know, sort of financial turmoil. And it's super hard. We, you know, I, I know myself, but also we have a lot of clients here that um, outsourcing can either make the business or it can actually even save the business, you know, and there's a lot of examples where the businesses are going down because they're swamped by employment costs and they start to outsource. They're able then to grow the business instead of cut the business back. They're able to then start employing more people, serving more clients and being finally a profitable business. Yeah, it's, it's a complete roller coaster. But I certainly agree with you, you know, that once you want to pay all your staff and you know it's the kind of um, entrepreneur's dilemma isn't it you pay all your staff and then you have no more money left for you but do you you then try and expand out of the problem or you try and cut back to save costs it's they're difficult situations aren't they oh absolutely i remember when i was an entry-level interior designer in new york city i found out what my boss was charging for my time and i was really sour Because at that time, if you gave me an hourly rate rather than a salary, it was about $20 an hour, which is incredible, not Mm. necessarily in Manhattan, but it was incredible. But I I was being billed out to clients at $125, and I couldn't understand it. Now, 20 years later, I realize all the expenses that went into keeping the business afloat. I mean, number one, it was Manhattan. There's a huge office that all of us employees were in. I don't even want to know what the cost of the lease rate was on that. There was the marketing and all the dinners and lunches and everything that that the big boss had to go to to get the clients, the healthcare, all the benefits. I mean, it all adds up. So at the end of the day, the client may have been walking away with $20 an hour for my time. And that's certainly understandable. So when you're considering outsourcing, I want you to remember that you don't need to charge only nominally more than what 
your contractors are charging you because you as a business owner are doing probably a lot more of the marketing work than you should be. Is that a fair assessment? Do you think a lot? More? Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I think you know people underestimate the the structural costs involved mm-hmm. in a business. You know, like there's there's obviously the charge out time. There's the incremental cost, but there's huge cost layered on top of that. Not least just the fact that income is often unreliable. So that you need to be able to pay those salaries whether you've got a client or not. Right, you, know, there you have needs to, to have that cushion. cushion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When I hired too fast several years ago, I allowed the client, the main client that I hired a lot of them for to majorly scope creep. And I, as I already admitted, I had a problem saying no. And that client over the amount that he had paid me cost me $8,000 out of pocket. Yeah. Don't do that, people. When, yeah, oh, because you were you were sort of over delivering. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that was actually the last time that I went to go see my family, and I'm going to see them this this weekend coming up. And that client actually sent me a text message while I was traveling. It was a suicide threat that if we didn't do more than we were doing, that he was going to kill himself while I was gone. Wow. So we did it, and then he was fired as a client. I mean that's that's not cool. But yeah. since then, I mean I've I've been a contractor myself to other virtual assistant agencies when I was still a VA and again this was a few years ago, but I knew what I was being billed out at and I got a little bit sour again. But I'm totally transparent with my team and I'd love to know what your thoughts are between the client and the contractor. I am totally transparent with my team. They know what the overhead is every month. So, and they know what the clients are being billed and they also know what they're getting paid, not individually. I mean, each team member knows what their rate is. I don't think it's necessary that they all know everybody else's rates, but they understand why there's that difference because I don't see the point in hiding it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think transparency is best and and also uh, maybe education is is an option there as well. If, If people don't realize why the charge out rate is four times their base rate, um, then show them the PL, show them the structural cost, show them the marketing cost, show them the cost of acquisition of new clients, you know, and, and also just on top of their salaries, show them the, the office costs and their, their health insurance costs. You know, maybe a little bit of education can go a long way because, you know, as you said, when you were in New York and 20, you hadn't run a business yet. And there's a lot behind the business that sort of potentially new entrants aren't that aware of. But it is also different, I suppose, depending on the different models of business. You know, a lot of outsourcing staff aren't necessarily kind of agencyed out. They would just be kind of operational staff within a standard operation. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot less sort of direct correlation between someone's production and the, the revenues of the business. Are there any keys that you see as being in place when there's a successful outsourcing relationship versus unsuccessful relationship? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people, very successful people in business might start outsourcing and very commonly they they come from the West and they think that they've got business nailed and then they come over to the Philippines, they build a team in the Philippines and they think that they can bring kind of Western business philosophy to the Philippines. But it is actually very different and people need to realize that 
outsourcing, just like anything in business, is a new skill. It's a new skill set. It's, in essence, kind of a different language that you need to kind of talk to communicate to your team. They all speak fantastic English, but there are slight cultural differences. But also added to that, you know, if people are used to working in the standard office environment with everyone in the room, running a remote team, as I'm sure you know, Kim, is different. It's not necessarily better or worse, but it's just different. You maybe have to be a bit more explicit about activities. You have to use kind of different types of communication, maybe project management software. And, you know, there's just different skill sets that they're not necessarily difficult to learn. But if you don't take, um, I suppose, precaution and maybe a little bit of advice, you could waste a bit of time and spend a bit of money making a few mistakes kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Your team doesn't know what they don't know. So I'm going to go back to communication. I mean, they don't know that they don't know how you want to be communicated with unless you communicate that with them. So if you require or if you feel better getting a response to every single email, you have to communicate that. Or if you just want a daily or a project check-in once in a while, you need to communicate that. I've realized that communication has been both the biggest key and the biggest struggle mm. in my business, both with team members and with clients. I forgot that I also have a, a WordPress developer and app developer. I won't state the country, but I've realized that depending on where in the world my team members are, they will approach how they they bill differently. This one I was talking to about a project last night and they asked me what the budget was. And that's like going for a new car or a house and being asked what the budget is. And if you give top of the line numbers, then you can guarantee that the that the dealer or the broker is going to take you to the top. Yeah. And it's really, it took me way too long to learn that. So rather <laughs> than giving the top of the line, like you got to learn how to negotiate. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that's the difference also between whether it's someone on your team or whether you're dealing with like a contractor from contract, you know, mm-hmm. there's kind of pros and cons to that as well. Like contractors, potentially have less loyalty and they, you know, they're, they're kind of looking after their own interests. Whereas I suppose a, a permanent team member, they should in theory be more on board of the general mission and not be sort of priced from contract. Yeah. What did outsourcing do for your life when you began outsourcing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, in 2011, it allowed me to create a 24-7 customer service support center, whereas previously it wasn't really viable. So immediately we found a huge boost in, I suppose, customer satisfaction, customer service potential. But also it meant that we could then reply to potential guest bookings 24-7. And of course, people are booking from all over the world in different time zones, which meant that we could get to them quicker. We could convert more sales and make more money. But that's just where it started, really. We, Once we got customer service down pat, then we moved right across the operation and we started doing web development, digital marketing, proactive corporate sales. And we got everyone from accounting to even kind of HR in the Philippines, all proactively building the business. So I call it inverting the pyramid when, you know, typically people start with lower 
grade roles that they outsource, but then effectively it moved right up the management hierarchy and the skill hierarchy so that um, you know most of the critical people were sitting in the Philippines. What about your sleep and stress levels? <laughs> stress was always high, and I think I do that to myself because I, I take on a lot of challenges. But I was, you know, I, I have moved around the globe a lot. My business was in central London. Um, my my part of my team was in Manila, Philippines, and I was spending a lot of my time in Sydney, Australia as well. So I was kind of commuting between the three. So, um, yeah, definitely with the different time zones. And also on top of that, all of our clients were spread across the world because we were a international kind of hotel effectively. So, yeah, I certainly was was kind of <laughs> seeing a lot of different time zones. Were you trying to tackle all the customer service requests yourself before you outsourced? No, we we started with, I mean, we, we were bootstrapped. So initially in 2009, I got a part-time remote lady that was sitting in London. Then I think my second hire was a part-time remote lady sitting in Sydney. But very quickly, I realized that actually it's better to professionalize this, get full-time people, start building a team. Because then as you build a team sitting in one spot, it means that there's a lot of organizational and operational learning that happens within that team that are all sitting in one facility. I love that. How have standard operating procedures played a role in your business or businesses if you do have them? Yeah, absolutely. Huge role. SOPs and KPIs, which are key performance indicators and metrics. These are all really big, big words in the Philippines. The Philippines, and this is maybe what people don't realize in the West so much. In the West, there's an emphasis on using your initiative, figuring things out and kind of, you know, uh, flying by the seat of your pants. And that is all valued in the US and Silicon Valley and in the UK. In the Philippines more, people appreciate more of a standardized, clearly mapped process. They've been doing it like that for the last 25 years, and they prefer things to be more clearly laid out. The means of which you then map this is in things like SOPs, which is standard operating procedures. And people like to know what their targets are, what the process is, and you know what they get at the end of it. They don't like kind of, I mean, this is generalizations, of course, but, but generally, they prefer to be very process-oriented and the process to be very well-mapped and have a lot of good architecture to it. So it's huge. Um, oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm over here laughing, <laughs> Derek. And I had to give a shout-out to Lang if she is editing this episode. But when Lang, my editor, joined the team, she actually joined as a VA. And, right. and she is in the Philippines. And she cool. went into my Dropbox and I heard something very politely oh my gosh, this is a mess. Can I fix it? <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah. So many parts of the business have been systemized now from the spreadsheets on which we track every single episode, including all the show notes and the social media links and everything to just so much more. And And our official SOPs are just growing on a daily basis because now it's not just she and I, because for a few months, it was just the two of us. Now it's eight of us. So any team member who does anything on a repeated basis, and I've actually discussed this in an episode, there will be a link to that episode in the show notes, any procedure or process that is 
performed repeatedly is documented. This is how you do it. Because my team knows that I want to see them advance up in the company. I mean, they might come in totally green and new to the whole industry, but eventually I want to see them being a manager and helping me grow my own team to 70. That would be fantastic. But to make that happen, we have to have the procedures in place so that we can bring in new people pretty seamlessly. I mean, there's always going to be bumps, but pretty seamlessly. And without those documents, then it's going to take five times as long. Yeah. If yeah, it absolutely. happens. Yeah. yeah. It's a big process, huh? And the Philippines, they are experts. So I mentioned earlier, like BPO is business process outsourcing. And the Philippines are world experts in optimizing processes. And that's because, you know, the big businesses like the General Electrics and the the Western unions have been over here for 25 years. They've had teams of 20,000 staff, maybe 5,000 of the staff doing all the same process over and over again. And so what they then do is they refine that process, they optimize the process, they tweak the process until it is so refined and so optimized. And this is when, you know, you get Western entrepreneurs, Western business people coming over and building a team in the Philippines. And they're actually shocked to see how sophisticated the Philippines BPO or outsourcing sector is. It really is the, I like to call it the Swiss banking of outsourcing. It's, it's really incredibly sophisticated because that's what they've been doing for the last 25 years. And Derek, one of the first eye-openers for me about systems and systems documents was I read Work the System by Sam Carpenter. Have you by chance read it? I haven't, no. Okay. I'm going to write that down. Yeah, it will be in the show notes, listeners, which you can find at com forward slash PP506. Sam, I mean, this is a, it's both a um, educational book and also it tells his own story. He had a call center and there were no systems documented and the business was basically tanking, I think. It's been a few years since I, I read it to be fully transparent, but he ended up I think he was living out of the storage room in the back. And then he had this big aha that these documents should start putting together. Long story short, he's now working something like four hours a month. It might be four hours a week. I don't want to. Just because these systems documents are in place and he actually offers incentive to the team that if they give a suggestion on how to improve a document and it works and is now and now replaces the previous document, there's some type of reward for them. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Anything yeah, that we can be doing to be improving our processes is awesome. I mean, just literally two minutes before you and I hopped on the call, I was talking to my team and they are actually working on our client intake forms for both podcast production and also for marketing clients. Because... Clients shouldn't have to wait. They want to get started. So let's get them started right away. And if yeah. we had that system set up, then it's more easily done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. huge opportunity. Yeah. And and everything can be engineered and then re-engineered and then retweaked. And yeah, it's kind of an endless cycle of improvement. Super oh, exciting. Huh? Definitely. Yeah, super exciting. What are you most excited about in your personal life and also with Outsource Accelerator in the next three to six months? Three to six months. Well, for my 
personal life, I'm, uh, I do quite a bit of traveling. So I'm going to go to Bohol, which is in uh, the Philippines, uh, one of the islands here. So the Philippines has over 7,000 islands. So there's no shortage of islands to go and kind of rest and hang out on the beach. Uh, and then I'm just planning my uh, Christmas travels as well. In terms of the business, we really are becoming the the trip advisor of outsourcing, but also the booking.com of outsourcing. So we're really trying to make it easier for people to engage in outsourcing. So we've opened up the world's first outsourcing superstore where we make it really easy for people to read about and engage with outsourcing. And all of these products are supplied by outsourcing, vetted outsourcing service suppliers. So that's really exciting. We're really just growing this business and, and we're you know, looking to shoot out the lights with outsourcing and promote it to the rest of the world. Now, I, I work with a lot of coaches. So I would love in your superstore, can you think of a specific product or service that you sell or offer that would be really relevant in the world of coaches, like business and life coaches? Yeah, well, actually, we are reaching out. So we have an affiliate program with any coaches because coaches have the ear of a lot of business people. So yep. we have a great partner program where they don't need to know a lot about outsourcing themselves. They can just say, hey, have you considered outsourcing for your business? Because the reality is with outsourcing, it can save 70% on staff costs, which then means that you can – it's not about saving money. It means that it allows you – to innovate and grow your business more than you ever had the opportunity to before. So it really can add rocket fuel to anyone's business. So we we actually do have an affiliate. Um, I can put the give you the link later, but um, a program for people to recommend to their clients because outsourcing really can be um, applied to any business within any business sector. And with the superstore, it's really just allowing people to dip their toe in, get a little bit used to outsourcing without the sort of scary kind of big contracts and the big conversations with big outsourcing service suppliers. Mm-hmm. I have to share it. I don't think he listens. Uncle Bob, if, <laughs> if you listen, I'm sorry if I'm not supposed to share this. My uncle owns a pretty large greenhouse business in Western New York, and he actually had a part-time employee who got him in trouble with the state employment board that might not be the right expression because she lost her job she just wasn't performing well so she ended up going after him for unemployment well she had never been a full-time employee but the documentation wasn't in place and that is in my eyes a huge plus to outsourcing rather than having employees on board because not every employee is going to be a good fit I mean I've had a number of contractors in the last six years A few I would have kept on had time and money allowed and a whole bunch that I wouldn't have. But had they been employees, then I'll tell you, I would be paying unemployment out my butt. Sorry to put it like that, but that's the truth, you know? Yeah. There's a lot that goes into having an employee even outside of the health and retirement funds. I mean, there's the unemployment, especially in the States, the unemployment taxes or whatever we have to pay if we have employees on board. And to me, that's not worth the risk. I want to make sure that I'm getting the best team possible. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think entrepreneurs, the economic warriors of today, they take on huge personal risk to try and you know, create something that will benefit 
their family, their community, and pay a lot of taxes to the government. And they take on huge amount of risks. And, you know, as you say, you're dealing with a lot of people. If you're employing 100 people, then that's 100 families that you're supporting, but it's also 100 huge potential issues if anyone you know, takes offense at anything you do. There's there's a lot of exposure there, you know, whether you're dealing with people anywhere in the world. And of course, people have to be treated well and fairly. But outsourcing is an absolute dream in that because of these outsourcing service suppliers, they basically wrap up everything for you. They manage and arrange typically the hiring of the staff. They manage the HR concerns of the staff. They manage all the facilities, ensure that there are good facilities every day, good internet, you know, good environment and have backup facilities. And then they just wrap that all into one monthly cost, you know, and you can pay with your credit card. It's super, super convenient. And of course, all of that wraps up, as you said, all of the employment concerns and liabilities and things like that as well. So, you know, it's certainly incredible value when you when you look at all of those aspects of, of employment. Oh, definitely. Derek, I know that listeners can find you at Outsource Accelerator, but where else can they learn more about you online, get in touch and we'll just get to know more? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, our website is outsourceaccelerator.com. They can, of course, anyone can reach out to me directly. My email, it's a long one, but it's Derek at outsourceaccelerator.com. And my name is D-E-R-E-K. And then we do actually have a special landing page for your listeners, Kim, which will be at outsourceaccelerator.com backslash Kim Sutton, which is one word. And uh, on that, actually, we have a toolkit and a few other goodies, uh, three free quotes that people can submit, and I think also a 10 or 12% discount for the Superstore. Oh, that's fabulous. Am I allowed to use that page? Absolutely. You can, yeah, <laughs> you can be our first customer yeah. to that page. Oh, I would love it. Derek, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. I mean, I can think of 10,000 more questions, so I'm going to save that for part two with you. But I know that listeners struggle often with shiny object syndrome and what can they purchase to help them advance their business. And personally, I think it's not about the tools and the programs, but really about the team and the people that are supporting you from within. So... Listeners, please just take that to heart today. It's not about what you buy, but it's about the people that you invest in. I couldn't agree more, Kim. I couldn't agree more. Derek, I want to thank you once again. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, generally in terms of outsourcing, I think it's really just give it a go. You know, everyone's busy in their business. Everyone's busy in their operations and their day. But outsourcing really can be the most transformative business tool available today. And it can really add rocket fuel to your business. And the biggest thing is just giving it a go, you know, getting over that line, getting started. And even just, you know, set up a job for $5 on Upwork just to get you started on that outsourcing journey. And um, you really, really won't look back. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. 
I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. Bye.